Hello and welcome to the Victory Alabang podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching series entitled Here and Now. Together we'll discover what it means to live our lives for the kingdom of God. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you today. The world sees things differently. Very different from the way God intended it to be. You know, uh, just to illustrate, a few years ago, maybe two years ago, I'm not sure if you got wind of this, Time Magazine featured, uh, it's a good feature, it was a good issue. They, uh, they wanted to make a, uh, they wanted to honor women who are changing the world. So women in general. So they made an issue called Firsts. And these, they, uh, in this issue, they listed top 100 women. And these women are the women who are changing the world. One of those in the list, I'm nothing against her, is uh, Selena Gomez. And she's part of the top first, top 100 list of women who are influencing, changing the world. You know why? Because she is apparently the first woman to have reached 100 million followers on Instagram. Yes, yeah? So because she has 100 million followers on Instagram, she is changing the world. And I do understand where, where, where that is coming from. But let me uh, show you another woman. Her name is Malala. Good book, by the way, if you, you like reading. Malala is a Pakistani girl. Uh, you know, in Pakistan, it's hard to get education. It's not a right. It's not even a privilege. It is a miracle to get an education in Pakistan. When she had the chance to be educated, she started to have this plight of fighting for education for, her, for, for the children in her land. Now, because of her cause, because of her cause, she was killed, shot by the Taliban. Now, by God's miracle, she was able to live to tell about it, and someone helped her. She wrote a book called I Am Malala. In fact, not just in Pakistan now, but Malala goes around the world to fight for the right of children to be educated. Do you know that Malala, as of today, she's still the youngest Nobel Peace Prize winner at 17 years old? Oh, by the way, she's not part of the Time Magazine issue of women who are changing the world. You see, the world sees things differently. And that's what we are going to talk about today. Open your Bibles to Matthew 13. We'll talk about the parable of the mustard seed. Very familiar one. Matthew 13. And for those of you who, who like to follow and like to take pictures, we've placed a QR code there. So just scan the QR code. You'll be able to download our presentation for today. Matthew 13. In reverence of the Word of God, why do we all stand? And this is how we will end this preaching. You know, the point of a parable is very simple. In fact, after this, I'll already tell you the point of the whole parable and its practical implication. But we will end with a question. And this question is what will help us navigate through the daily mundanities and even the big decisions of life. There are times, many of us are thinking, do I expand into another business? Do I invest in this particular investment? 
there's an opportunity that is ahead of me. Yes, I'd like to pray for it, but even as you pray for it, there is a question that can help you. And we'll end with that particular question. This question that we will end with will help you plan, will help you decide on things, and act on things based, based, as we later on, based on God's Word. It will help us navigate through the minor decisions or even the major decisions of life. All of us would have dreams and aspirations. Uh, Michelle was talking about her, uh, her son who was concerned of success. Well, I guess that's all our concern. Am I right? But even as that is our concern, what will help us navigate through the journey to success? Again, that question will help us process it. Matthew 13, verse 31. Jesus put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it has grown. It is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. Let's all pray. Pakinong Dios, pinapupurihan ka namin. Ikaw ang may kapal, ang walang hanggang Dios na lumikha ng wagas na lupa. Dalangin namin, Panginoon, na buksan mo ang aming puso't isipan upang aming mas maintindihan ang, inyo, ang katotohanan at kagandahan ng inyong salita. God, we commit the rest of this service, the rest of this time to you. Lord, open our spiritual eyes to see the beauty and the truth of your word. Lord, we pray that we would only hear your voice and your voice alone. Let's all pray in the words that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us all together now. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Do not lead us into the test, but deliver us from evil. Let's have a moment of silence. Let's all take our seats. Magandang hapon po sa inyong lahat. Good afternoon. I'm Jansen. I'm one of the pastors. I normally preach. Medyo malayo. Down or up in the province of Santa Rosa. And yes, I'm filling in for our beloved pastor, Pastor Ariel, who, by the way, is right at the back. Pastor Ariel! <laughs> Tayo ka naman. Miss ka na namin. <clears throat> Miss ka na rin namin sa mga meetings, brother. <laughs> because we miss Pastor Ariel so much. I was telling him kanina, we were talking uh, by the restroom. So I go, can I meet with you? <laughs> so we're scheduling one meeting, but that's a secret meeting because he is on a sabbatical. So please don't tell anyone, any pastor that you know, wag nyo naman kaming ilaglag. No? Wala naman ibang pastor dito, no? Kami lang. Wala, wala. Ah, si Bodhi, oh, Matthew 
The series is a kingdom series. We're preaching on the different facets of the kingdom of God and we're taking everything from the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the gospel writer Matthew. And uniquely, when Matthew presented this gospel, because of the audience for which it was written, which is mainly Jewish believers, he had or he has a lot of references in the Old Testament. That's why this is what we are going to do. Bit of part or part of this preaching is that we need to go back just to the Old Testament to understand the concept of the kingdom of heaven. And not just that, because it is related to the Old Testament, the concepts and the principles by which Matthew, the gospel writer, presented Jesus Christ, use a lot of Old Testament themes. For example, uniquely in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus is presented always to be on a mountain. When we, uh, this is where you would see the account of Sermon on the Mount. Of course, Luke shows that, but uniquely, there is a pervasive emphasis or emphasis. Ika nga, para sa ating mga Pinoy, ano, there's a pervasive emphasis on Jesus being on top of a mountain. Why? Remember, in the Old Testament, when God Himself spoke to the Israelites, it was on a mountain. It, 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 on a mountain, the Tablets of stone containing God's covenant to Israel was given on top of that. So Matthew, just when he features Jesus Christ on top of a mountain teaching, I mean, think about it. What was he trying to convey? The person teaching is God himself. So you see Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. You see Jesus... Uh, on the Mount of Hermon, Mount of Transfiguration, he brings with him Peter, James, and John. And Peter sees Jesus with, 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 the, with, the, with the big guns of the Old Testament. Elijah to represent the prophets, Moses to represent the law. And they were listening. Can you imagine that? On top of a mountain. The two, the, the two most foremost prophets of the Jewish people, Elijah and Moses, were listening to Jesus Christ. Where? On top of a mountain. So can you imagine the, the, what, what Matthew was trying to convey? And at the end of his life, guess where Jesus was? On top of a mountain. And this is where he says, All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So yes, Jesus was featured on top of the mountain just to say that he was God. The authority, the power, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. In the same way, when this was written, this was a critique to the current circumstance, to the imperial army of Rome, and we'll dive into that later on. But part of this is to show when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, it has a lot to do with how heaven was presented in the Old Testament. So we go now to the parable. We read, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that the man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, wow, that's a key word. When it has grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree. You know, the point of a parable is quite simple. We don't need, ha- we, we don't need to go through the nitty gritty details of of the word or the structure of the parable. No, the way for us to interpret a parable is just to get the general idea. 
In fact, even for all of us, even without a theological or a seminary degree, when you look at this text, you know sim very simply what it is saying. That the kingdom of God grows. The function of a parable is kind of like the function of a joke. Knock-knock. Ulitin ko. Kulang kayo sa kape. Knock-knock. Who's there? Okay? You know, I'm... <laughs> You know, this morning, I was trying to look at a number of knock-knock jokes and see what's a good knock-knock joke for today. But I realized I can't pull it off. So I go holler to our friend pastor, Pastor Bodhi. So I ask him, Bodhi, can you help me? He's like, can you pull off a, a good knock-knock joke? And interestingly, this was his reply. I can pull off a joke, but I don't know if it will be good. All right? So sabi ko, ganito na lang. So I asked Bodhi, just prepare something. But to help Bodhi with that joke, can we just have a little arrangement here? When he mentions his knock-knock joke, whether it's funny or not, can we all laugh? Okay, yeah. Kind of like that. Okay, that's good. That's a good practice. All right, Bodhi. Good setup, Pastor. Knock-knock. Isang sing-sing, tatlong hari. Ready na ba kayo? Aring king king king. Aring king king. Tawa nyo, asan? Thank you. Okay. So I know if you laughed at the joke or you just laughed for the effort, no? A for effort. But going back, let's pretend that that wasn't a bad joke. Let's just pretend that it was a good knock-knock joke and the point was that we all laughed at it. It's just simply the laugh, right? Oh, wow, having fun. Parable, that's just the main point. You get what it's about, and that's everything about it. What is it about? The kingdom of God grows. Kind of like a mustard seed. Now you say, oh, pastor, tapos na pala yung preaching. Ang bilis natin. Let me just explain some practical implications of the kingdom of God growing. When Matthew presented God's kingdom, he used the phrase kingdom of heaven. And it is only this gospel writer who emphasizes the kingdom of heaven. He uses it in so many ways. He says, the kingdom of heaven, the heavens and the earth, singular form, the heaven, plural form of pair, heavens and earth. And he talks about singular, heaven and earth. All these things would have, you know, of course, details but in a nutshell, what Jesus was saying as presented by Matthew every time he talks about the kingdom of heaven was first, it's two-sided. First, side A, ika nga, kung naalala nyo pa yung tape. Side A, he wanted, Jesus wanted to present that the kingdom of heaven, has a, the heavenly realms, has a major disjunction with the kingdom of the earth, the earthly realm. Meaning the heavenly realms, the kingdom of God, meaning the thinking of God, the behavior of God's people, the ways of God is far different from the ways of the earth. There is a, if I may say this, a heaven of a difference. Vast difference between the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. But side B, when Matthew talks about it, he doesn't just present the difference of heaven and earth, but he also wanted to say that heaven and earth should have no difference. Do you follow? 
what he was saying at that time, at the time of the writing, what they were seeing at that point is that as if, or not, not really as if, is that they see heaven of a difference, a vast difference between the kingdom of God, the principles of God, and the principles of the earth, ways of the earth. But then he was also saying, it, in the beginning, it was not so. How do we know? If you open your Bibles, we don't have it here in the presentation. If you open your Bibles to Genesis 1, verse 1, I need you to read it. Many of you know this. In fact, you don't need to open your Bible. But if you're right there right now, in the beginning what? Who? Was the first? Who was the first? In the beginning? God. God what? God created. What did God create? Heavens and earth. You know, when, when, when it was presented by the writer, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, it, the, 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 the preposition and was not to differentiate heavens and earth. In fact, it was to say that it is one. How do we know? If you move down those verses, when God created mankind, He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Male and, oh, same preposition, heaven and earth. And then the Bible says, God created them male and female. He wanted to present male and female, what? As one. How do we know that? Because if you move down the verses by Genesis 2.24, he says to man and woman, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, if we go back to that same preposition of male and female and heaven and earth, the account in Genesis says, that there should, there should not be any difference between what? The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth because it has both the same king. In fact, how do we know that this is what it is? If you go to the end of your Bible in Revelation 21, that's the job description of Jesus Christ. He brings together the new heavens and the new earth into one. Now, going back, this is our dilemma today. When we talk about God's kingdom, we live in a society that spells out a difference between the heavenly realms and the earthly realms. Matthew is good to talk about it. Why? Because when he wrote Jesus Christ teaching this, teaching in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus takes morality and ethics to a different level, to a level that the People at that time cannot just imagine or comprehend. If you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he, 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 Jesus was himself teaching, if you look at a woman lustfully, you're already committing adultery. Whoa! I mean, these guys who were listening to him at that time knew exactly that command. But then suddenly, Jesus unleashes the very heart of that command. He says, if you hate your brother or your sister, you are already committing murder. Whoa! That was a big bomb, ICBM, that was dropped upon them. In fact, going back to this, it's very similar. When Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, He wanted to say that the key for you who want to follow me, wants to follow me, who you, who, who, those of you who live, in this world that there's a difference between the heavenly realm and the, the earthly realm, 
the key is to live in such a way that there's no difference. Meaning there's no line between the heavens and the earth. We live in such a way as believers that we have no distinction between what is secular and what is spiritual. Unfortunately today, we fall into that trap that we place that difference. We have the propensity to think that everything we talk about in this room is about God, is godly. The way we treat people in this room. Hi, brother. Hi, sister. Oh, grabe, this is what happened to me. Praise God. Hallelujah. But the moment we walk out, it's sort of like we're a different animal. But there should be no difference. We fall into the trap as Christians sometimes that we classify our friendships, that we have a group of friends and these are my church friends and these are my non-church friends. And when it comes to our church friends, it's so easy for us to talk about God and we talk about God freely. But why is it there are times that when it comes to our non-church friends, we sometimes clam up and we shrink back. And it's kind of embarrassing to talk about God. We place a distinction. When Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven, he was telling people that my kingdom and in my kingdom, yes, you see that difference now, but you should live in such a way that there is no difference. A while ago, we were worshiping passionately, especially with that last song. If you've observed, we were singing everlasting glory. I will follow you with, with everything that we have. And we, we, we kept on repeating those phrases, that refrain, those chorus. We were passionate about God. Every Sunday, we are passionate about God. But why is it that that passion before God somehow some way, sometimes is lost when Monday hits. Sometimes that person who loves God so much during Sunday, when the Monday 8 a.m. alarm clock hits, it's a totally different person. When that person who declares his worship or her worship before God, when they hit the office, sometimes takes on a different personality. Remember, there's no difference between what is secular and what is spiritual. The kingdom of God grows. How? It was presented as a mustard seed that grow a plant. Again, a, a, a theme that is prevalent. The use of analogies and metaphors of what? Of plants growing. What does it mean? On a practical note, it means that God's kingdom should grow in us. It should grow in us. It means that we should have the confidence of who we are as Christians, the identity. If God's kingdom is growing in us, it means that outside, when the world sees us, sees us they see our confidence as Christians, confidence in our identity. Most especially, most especially in this world today, remember Matthew talks about Jesus take, taking ethics and morality to a different level. We live in a world today 
wherein doesn't matter anymore whether things are ethical or moral as long as it is legal. The kingdom of God should be growing in us because we are the very people who should spread morality and ethics outside. But let God's kingdom grow in you, meaning that confidence as Christians. You know, I have a 22-year-old, 22-year-old, 19, 17, and then an 8. So the 8-year-old, we're in that stage when we are learning nouns and adjectives. Nouns and adjectives. Uh, noun, sa Tagalog, uh, pangalan, salamat, pangalan. Adjective, sa Tagalog, or in Filipino, wow, thank you very much. I had a hard time. I have to ask my son. Oh nga ba, ano yung adjective? Now, what is a noun? What is a noun? Okay lang ba? Because, I'm making this point because we sometimes confuse our nouns and our adjectives when it comes to our Christianity. I'll explain. What is a noun? A noun is a... A noun is a... Is a name of a... Very good class. A noun is a name of a person, place, and thing. An adjective, what? Describes the... Describes the noun. So meaning the name is the noun... The adjective is the expression and is the description of the noun. For you and me as Christians, we sometimes invert our nouns and adjectives. What is our noun? We are Christians. That is our name. Our, we are Christians. Sometimes we fall into the trap that we make our name, our noun, as lawyers, business people, husband. Wife, housewife, corporate executive, medical professional, engineer, that happens to be adjective Christian. Meaning we fall into the trap thinking that I am a businessman, that's my noun, but I happen to do adjective Christian things. I attend the service, I attend the victory group from time to time because my adjective, my way to describe my Christianity is, is, is Christian, then yes, I do certain Christian things. But that's not the case. Because who we are really is that you and me, primarily, we are Christians and that's your name. You are a Christian and you express your Christianity where? In the field where God has brought you in. You are a Christian, fill in the blank, businessman. You express your Christianity in business. You are a Christian Lawyer, you express your, your, your Christianity in the exercise of law, in the upholding of justice. You are a Christian doctor. Meaning you are not just a doctor just to make money. No, you are there in the first place as a doctor because sometimes, somewhere, when you were young, you thought, I'd like to help people. You are a Christian. Fill in the blank now. Whatever you do, it is a description, an expression of who you are as, Christ, as a Christian. Let God's kingdom grow in you. Just like a plant that grows by itself, God is the one who makes us grow. 
God is the one who transforms us. In fact, there's this scripture in Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God, wow, speaks a lot. Who transforms us? Who transforms us? It's God. Let God transform you. But how does God transform us? You know how? We need to stop. You and me, we're so busy. We're so busy with worldly stuff. I'm not saying that that's wrong. We're so busy with so many things that we forget to stop and open this and read and meditate and stop. Even in our prayers sometimes, when we pray to God, we just bam, 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 bam. Jesus' name, amen. Move on to my next meeting. We forget to pray and just simply stop. Stop. You know, a plant grows by itself. And what helps it grow are the rhythms of life. The sun would rise. It will help the plant form chlorophyll. The rain would go down, and it's a rhythm. And, 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 and life is full of rhythms. That helps us. You and me, we all grew how? The rhythm of eating. Morning, noon, night. We grew in height, we slept. I didn't sleep a lot. Didn't grow in height. But you know what I'm talking about. But if I may, in the same way spiritually, let me use this word, sacred rhythms transform us and helps us grow. Sacred rhythms of Bible reading, of meditating, of praying, of contemplating. It helps us grow as Christians. Sacred rhythms of life. But you see, we need to stop. Fortunately, we have so many priorities. Oh, by the way, do you know when that word was invented in the 15th century, priority? It did not have a plural form. It was just priority, singular. If you're reading your Bible, you're reading your Bible. You're not checking on Facebook. Oh, wala pa palang Facebook ng 15th century. But you know what I'm talking about. Early 20th century, mankind placed a plural, plural form of that word, priority. And we made it priorities. Let's, let God's kingdom grow in you. Let it transform you. When we are transformed, this is what happens. And I'll use this illustration. My, I'm not ashamed of this. My favorite novel is a child, child's novel, children's novel, Narnia series. As in, the Chronicles of Narnia. There's this scene. Unfortunately, it wasn't captured by Hollywood perfectly. But there's this scene. You, you, you know Narnia, the... Lion, Aslan is a representation or is a type of Christ. And then humanity is represented by the four siblings. Uh, Edmund, Peter, uh, Susan, the youngest, Lucy. So there's this scene in Prince Caspian in one of the novels. 
when Aslan wasn't seen by the siblings for a long time. And then suddenly he shows up and makes himself seen by Lucy. When Lucy, the youngest sibling, sees Aslan, he says, wow, you've grown big. And that's the whole point. It, 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 it was so profound that the writer C.S. Lewis wanted to present Christian growth. But you see, Hollywood wasn't able to capture it. I'll show you a 20-second scene from the movie, and then I'll show you the novel. And it, in, it, it explains what growth means in a Christian way. Lucy sees Aslan, you've grown. And then Aslan in the movie says, every year you grow, so shall I. Doesn't capture what the author was saying. This is what happened in the novel. Lucy sees Aslan. She says, Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan. Aslan, you're bigger. And then Aslan says, that is because you are older, little one. You need to stop and think. This is so profound. When we were younger, things were big. But when we grew bigger, things got... But look at this one, right? She was trying to say something. That is because you are older, little one. Not because you are. Aslan says, I am not. And then he says, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. When God's kingdom grow, when it grows in us, we will find God bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Amen. Let God's kingdom grow in you. So the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. You know, this is a parable. We don't need to examine, oh, the, the mustard seed You know, the Greek form of the mustard seed is this. It is a compound word. And in the lexicons, no, we don't need to do that. God's kingdom, it grows. And birds nestle in it. What does it mean? It becomes a blessing outside. In other words, in a practical, pragmatic note, let God's kingdom grow through you. When, when, when Jesus was presenting his kingdom, especially from the template and the background of Matthew, it was presenting God's kingdom as something that is so superior over every social, economic, cultural system, political system that there was. Remember, we said earlier, when this was written, it was a critique to the imperial government of Rome, which was starting to to rule the world, if I may say that. And this was just the start. And they would maintain their rulership for the next about 300 years. But Matthew was written to critique that imperial power 
to say that yes, you see Rome now and they are powerful, but guess what? God's kingdom, meaning Rome is nothing compared to the kingdom of God, which is heaven and earth. It wanted to say the gospel. Wants the, 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 the gospel writer, Jesus Christ, wanted to say that God's kingdom is transcendent, meaning it is above every human system and structure there is. Again, economic, political, social, and cultural. Jesus is presenting His kingdom from the mountain. Meaning He has power and authority and majesty. This is that God. So meaning anything and everything that is about God's kingdom, its principles, and its ways, it is superior to everything. But then again, it is a kingdom that is transcendent. At the same time, it is a kingdom that penetrates the whole door. Verse 33, meaning it is imminent. It is seen. It is felt by people. Remember, it was Matthew who presented. Yes, this Jesus who was on the mountain having majesty, but this is also, but Jesus was also presented by the same gospel writer as the Jesus who is to be called Emmanuel. God with us. So he is both above, superior, transcendent, and he is immanent. God with us. It means now, because he is with us, we can take his kingdom and let it grow through us. We have that confidence that God is with us so we can promote His kingdom values in our businesses, in our families, in our relationships, and whatever it is that you are concerned with. God's kingdom is here. It is advancing. Matthew 4 says that. Let me give you a story. Now, while we think that the whole world is being attacked by so many sins and evil and wickedness, behind it when we see things from a heaven and earth perspective, meaning opening our eyes to see what's happening in the spiritual, even in this earthly realm, we will see that God's kingdom is advancing. One of our pastors from a Buddhist, the most possibly, the most restricted Buddhist nation, his name is Tandin. By the way, I didn't put it in our presentation, meaning the one that you will download in this QR code. But when you see his picture, when you see the pictures, please don't take a picture of it and then post it on social media. Our pastor, Pastor Tandin, came to know the Lord 2014. After coming to know the Lord, oh man, he just devoured the Bible. Cover to cover, repeat. Cover to cover, read the Bible, repeat. So adept in God's word to the point that he was jailed for preaching it. When he was in jail, he had a long dream. I don't know how he recorded it, but he said it was 45 minutes. Maybe he woke up after the dream, he woke up again. So 45 minutes, long dream. You know what was his dream inside the jail? You know the, the account in Acts when Peter was in jail and then the angel broke him out? He had that dream, but it was for 45 minutes. Now when he woke up, he was in jail, he had that dream. When he woke up, guess where he was? Still in jail. It was a dream. It wasn't a reality. Scratch his head. He had a trial, but the royal family that was to try him was giving him the state lawyer. Obviously, 
giving him the state lawyer. And so he said he was thinking in his mind, well, they're giving me a state lawyer. It's as if they will just railroad me back to jail. So why don't I just simply defend myself? So that's what he did. No knowledge of law whatsoever. And you know what he did? On the day of his trial, he was before the king. He pulled out his Bible, opened Acts 26. Acts 26, by the way, is an account of the Apostle Paul defending himself before King Agrippa. And you know what he did? He just changed the names. He was Paul, and the king, the royal king there, was King Agrippa, so he changed the name. And he just read the defense of Paul. After reading the defense, guess what happened? He was freed from prison. Wow. And this is our church now in Bhutan. God's kingdom is advancing. Oh, by the way, this is standing. Standing. <laughs> yeah, this is standing, standing on a land that we just bought. And this is where our future church will be in Bhutan. Oh, wait, by the way, do you know who sold him the land? The royal family. Crazy. In fact, even to today, yes, I know we have so many problems here in the Philippines, but next year we are planting a church right smack in the middle of the drug area of the world. And we are sending our best. We'll tell you more about it. But we are planting a church. In fact, we have a team already and they are studying and they are polishing their Spanish. And so God's kingdom is advancing. Let God's kingdom grow through you. In fact, the very principles that you use organizationally where you are right now, whatever work you may be doing, I mean, the principles that make you successful and that makes your success sustainable are actually biblical principles. Do you know that Jesus talked about principles of organizational structure in Matthew 7? He talked about principles of corporate culture in Luke 5. He talked about principles of productivity in Mark 4. Jesus talked about the value of goal setting in Matthew 18. Jesus spoke about human resource management in Matthew 20. Jesus talked about principles of key performance indexes in Matthew 21. Jesus talked about principles of fraud in Luke 20. He talked about, well, we mentioned that productivity, facilities, logistics, the importance of maintaining it in Luke 12. Jesus talked about strategic thinking in Mark 13. He talked about principles of promotion in Luke 12. He talked about the value of, by the way, which you will do by the end of this year, planning and budgeting, Luke 14. Jesus talked about principles of collection systems in Luke 16. Jesus talked about the value of performance evaluation in Luke 19. And we can go on and on and on and on talking about the principle of God's Word and how it applies to your everyday life. Let God's kingdom grow through you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.vicryalabang.church.